It's February 7th, 2022. This is Rook. He is a Swedish-Iranian pop star that blew up with massive hit songs in the early 2000s, including a memorable collaboration with Algerian star Khaled. But Cameron Cardio was always more than just a handsome face and attractive voice. Cameron was a songwriter-producer who quit music for a few years when his label restricted his abilities. Now, in addition to being an accomplished chef, Cameron is back making music and ready to tell his full story. He joins us from L.A. Plus, when Iranians are expected to fill in our race on a questionnaire but are given limited options how do we answer and we have your letters of the week this is conversations from to and about the iranian diaspora i'm Gian gomeshi this is rook there welcome to episode 166 of rook hope you're keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world hello to you from toronto canada salam dustan aziz durud bashama hello groovy shaya hi hello hello the fabulous keon hi Gion. and uh, we don't have reza <laughs> <laughs> because reza it's his birthday week yes. this is a little bit of your medicine you know what's that well he gets his birthday so he goes away it's a sunny best way to celebrate Uh, absolutely (laughs) i think is i think maybe his partner has taken him on this trip he's down in florida or something and you were you were just trying trying to get him on the phone right because we thought it'd be fun to have him on the phone Uh, yeah i think and he was like i'm uh, doing a (laughs) test right now Uh, (laughs) yeah i think he's kind of uh, using marijuana or something <laughs> oh you uh, think he's yeah. high the test is kind of a good excuse <laughs> right, these right. days yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he's randomly doing a pcr test actually i want to talk about pcr tests oh. in a moment i gotta tell you something um hey coming up on this episode cameron cardio now for those who maybe for those who grew up in the diaspora or um don't follow the Iranian pop music scene and stuff. You might not know this name or this person. Boy, everybody on the Rook team and the extended Rook team who is of a certain age, like if say they're in their, they're in their 30s now or 20s now, uh, they know these songs. He had these massive hit songs in, I guess, in the early mid, like around 2005, 2006. Um, really interesting guy. We had his brother on the on yeah, the show, Alec, uh, yeah. Alec Cardio, and so Cameron Cardio, um, this big pop star who steps away from music because of the way he was being treated by the label. He's a talented guy. He's a songwriter uh, and and a producer himself. Uh, and yet, I, I mean, I'm going to talk to him about this, but it, it seems like they were putting him in the the box of just being a boy band guy, you know, this cute uh-huh. singer, young uh-huh. singer boy. And um, I think, I mean, I, again, I got to talk to him about it, but his, his frustrations with that led him out of music. 
he's also an accomplished chef, so he's been working as a chef. But now he's back in music with uh, recording some new songs, and he's got this whole spiritual direction. Uh, so we'll get to Cameron Cardio in uh, just a little bit, joining us from Los Angeles. Are you are you familiar? Were you familiar with his work when you were of, in Iran? Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, it was heat. You know, it was a mega hit in Iran. It Euro, was yeah. heat. <laughs> <laughs> hit. Hit, yeah. Hit, yeah. That's the Persian thing where it turns into e and e, e turns into i. Yeah, yeah. So uh, street yeah. is strit. And uh, uh-huh. hit is heat. <laughs> heat, yeah. 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 <laughs> never thought of it that way. <laughs> heat yeah. was heat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know the song he did with Khaled. Mm. That was that was a big song. But yes. this, uh, but I guess Roma was a big hit in the Persian exactly. circles around yes, the world. Yes, and, and also because. The language is, I don't know what the language is. Uh, it's not no, no, he, it's a made-up language. Oh. Yeah, that's it. That's part of his thing. He makes up a, a language. He did that on Roma, and then uh-huh. he's done, doing it on a recent song, too. We'll, yeah. I wanna, we'll talk to him about that. Uh, and a very handsome guy. I didn't get a chance to look him up. You haven't I, looked I, his I, face I up. did not. Right. I will do that right. immediately. You know, I, I expect you to check out the looks of everybody <laughs> yeah. coming on the show. I how can't. I judge I, the guests. I, I, don't, I don't know why I expect that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not familiar with him. I Because he's coming on the show, I, I, I did, instead of looking up his face, I decided to listen to his music. Oh, and, how, uh, how boring. <laughs> you went to his craft rather than... <laughs> That's what I try to do, Gio. <laughs> yes. um, and he, he kind of reminded me of Arash, the singer-songwriter. Oh. Arash. He's Swedish too, right? Oh, maybe yeah. because of that. Yes, yeah, and like pop and same... That's right. I think same vintage. Same era, mm-hmm. same kind of, yeah, yeah I yeah. can see that. Yeah. Well, Cameron Cardio coming up. Uh, we are coming to you on rookmedia.com. It's there that you can link to all of our platforms. We're on this ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, CastBox. If you'd like to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube right now. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, check us out on Telegram. Hey, if you're in a position to support us on this program and you like the, the programming, and you've been a, a Rook fan or you've listened to, say, more than two or three episodes, uh, we'd love you to become a patron. It's a, it's a form of survival for us. So uh, you can subscribe or become a patron by going to our website, rookmedia.com. Press the Support Us button. And for 10 bucks a month, that goes a long way to us. You know, we got to go back to giving people something for the, like, a prizes or something, you know? Yes. Remember we tried the mug thing? Yes, but then yes. we figured out it cost us a lot to send <laughs> mugs to everybody. It was, like, going to cost us more than the amount that they're giving us <laughs> to send out these mugs. So we got Pashi Moon. Okay. And then, uh, but we got to figure something out. Um, Maybe signed... Shia's signature on a piece of paper is that worth anything a special happy birthday note with your voice that's right I'll do in Persian little, that's right I'm ha- yeah maybe I can do something like that for people you get a happy birthday you know that thing cameo there's that, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's that's that thing where of. I've never signed up for that, but yeah. people can, you know, they pay public people to do a message, a personalized right. message for them. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll just do it. I'll do it, but uh, for only $600 a month. <laughs> <laughs> we can, uh, anyway, go to rookmedia.com to support us. I, yeah, I, I said I want to come to this PCR test thing. I was in the States on the weekend for some meetings I needed to do. And of course, I needed to do a PCR test to come back to Canada. Again. Still, <laughs> I Look, know. I mean, it's just the, the, embarrassing. Let me just recap. Recap. I'm a gazillion vaccinated, right? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've triple vac. I've got the double vaccine and the booster, 
and I've had COVID in the last couple of months, right? And so actually, um, going to the States, I was able to show my documentation and say, you know, here's a note from my doctor, I've had COVID, and they, they let me in. But coming back to Canada, you need to show that you had a negative PCR test or that you've had COVID and you have a positive PCR test from the past. And, and when I had COVID, I only had positive antigen tests. So I need a PCR test. So I'm running around, you know, uh, getting a PCR test and I go to one of these clinics and and uh, uh, and this whole thing too, that like I, I'm just, uh, there's this old Beach Boys song, I Just Wasn't Made For These Times, sometimes the 21st century. Like I, I go to the desk and they go, uh, hey, you know, there's nobody in there. And I say, hey, can I do a PCR test? Yes, uh, can you book an appointment with us? And I go, yes, I'm here to book an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they mean, you know, look up our QR code and then, you know, online you have to book an appointment. And it's so, you know, I booked an appointment for two minutes later in the same place. Like, I'm just like, can you just take my name down? And like, you know, uh, no, you have to go online. And, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm, I, but I'm here. I There's a pen I can give you. Please book an appointment with us, sir. Uh, you know. So then I'm booking the appointment and uh, the obligatory, your name, uh, some you know, address and you know, some, some legal document, your driver's license, your passport, something like that. Then, but there's this questionnaire and it, and it says, uh, that I thought found this odd, I don't know if this is a new thing. It said, what is your race <laughs> for the PCR <sighs> test? And on the list, and there's a very short list of options, right? What is your race? Are you, uh, it, it didn't say First Nations, but it was something like that. It was like American Indigenous or something, something that's a nod to mm -hmm. the Native people, to the First Nations folks. And then it was said African and then Asian, Hispanic, right? <laughs> Latino, the list is ending, by the way. Yeah. White. White was one of the options. White. White, yeah. So Asian is the so, closest thing. Thank you. Okay, so well, you answered my question because yeah. my first question is, what is a Persian to <laughs> Who do? Who am I? And, am and I? by the way, before anyone starts, you know, before you get your fingers ready to, to, to type a, a, a nasty letter, oh, we are Safid, we're white people, why is this even an issue? You know, we learned, sadly, heartbreakingly, with the story of Dr. Shaheen Nouri, who was looking for a stem cell uh, transplant that race matters yes that race matters that in fact he needed the cells of a another iranian male i mean these things are not irrelevant right mm -hmm. uh, as much as we try to think that they are sometimes so there's no options it's a, a first name well first nations no, i i can't say you know african I'm, i don't think so you know mm -hmm. hispanic latin i've been mistaken for hispanic no white no so i go with asian <laughs> Right, Close. Iran is in Asia. Yes, that's yes. right. Okay, that's where my ancestry is. Why I'm Asian. Your geography is spectacular. Move so on. So I click on Asian, <laughs> and then the subcategory opens up. Okay. You know, they want to get more specific. Are you? I think it was Chinese or Korean, Japanese. Uh, there was a, there was a list of ethnicities or countries, and then I think maybe even Indian, South Continent, like a South mm -hmm. Asian. That's it. Come on. There's no Middle Eastern There's country? no Middle Eastern. Nothing. Nothing. Not no. Arab. Not. Oh, wow. No. Wow. So at that point, there was an other option. <laughs> We're and always other. <laughs> and I pressed other. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I just thought like, 
this is, I mean, you know, talk about feeling invisible, right? Yeah. Like, talking about, I mean, there's so many, legitimately, so many groups out there saying, you know, we want our people, our historical injustices recognize all this. We can't even get on the fucking questionnaire. I mean, we're not even on the list, you know? And I don't know, I, I, I really don't know what the what the right answer is. I mean, I, I put Asian, right? I mean, mm. I don't know, nor do I really know what they're using it for, for a PCR True, test. Maybe it's yeah. just data, you know, stats or something yeah. like Have you seen this? I've you seen had this it before. before. Actually, funny enough, on, for job applications, they ask you what your race is. And I've noticed it with America. Are they allowed to ask your race? Or? I, oh, I maybe because they want I to be didn't per- think so, but affirmative. Now, nowadays, no, yeah, yeah. every single job application. Right. And I noticed with the US, I came across a lot of that, like Asia, and I had to put down other. Well, I looked it up, and and apparently there is an official category now in the U.S., if I read Mm -hmm. this correctly in the research, that is Middle Eastern Asian. Mm. But it hadn't made it to this PCR no, test questionnaire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so it was just kind of like <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know. And I'm, I'm standing there in the middle of this place. I've been kind of going, "Dude, what am I? I, <laughs> who, am I? What, what, who am I?" Right? <laughs> uh, you know. And then you kind of go, "Well, maybe I'll just say Latino." <laughs> I've always loved the Latino people, uh, or you know, African. Right? <laughs> so, uh, so I'm curious for people out there. I mean, have you faced this issue or something similar? Uh, if you're of Iranian background, that is. I, I think for Arabs, too, there was no Arab option mm-hmm. either. I mean, it was the, the, anybody in the region. <laughs> it's <laughs> it must just have been a, an outdated. We don't want you on our PCR questionnaire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so if you face something like this or something similar, uh, what do you say? You can either email us at info at rookmedia.com or you know, post something on our Instagram uh, uh, or any of our platforms. Just uh, post a note. I mean, I'm very curious to know what uh yeah i, I remember uh, back i mean when i went to like elementary school in the uh, in the class in the books they taught us that we have four races oh boy the problems we we have in america uh, <laughs> that i experienced on the yeah. weekend are going to be now trumped by uh, some experience in iran go yeah. ahead yeah one is siapus which is the black black yeah huh? one is zard pus which is the asian people it's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, even saying it, never is heard wrong. it like that. Yeah, Zach yeah, yeah. Pust, but one is Sorch Pust, which oh is I, these are God. not helpful. Yeah, yeah, which is the which is the native indigenous people. These were actual, yeah. like on a form, you would see these things on a book like, yeah. in a book. Yeah, because they sound and, racist. And the rest is white. Uh, Sefit Pust. <laughs> what are we? What, it's Sefit. Sefit Pust. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and listen, I know there's people who get really upset about this. No, we're white. We're Aryan. It's, it's you know, no. that's not our race. I mean, I, I well, uh, again, I, I can just tell that because it, what, what it did was it said race and then it said, then it was the ethnic breakdown of the mm-hmm. race. Uh-huh. And we were, we were in e- neither category, right? Like, like, like I would have accepted the Asian if they then said mm-hmm. they had Persian or even Middle Eastern, give me Middle Eastern. And that's a big, you know, there's a lot mixed in there, yeah. Semitic, non-Semitic, you know, yeah, yeah. but, but fine, you know, th- but even that wasn't there. It was yeah. very interesting. So, huh. uh, there you go. Like I, maybe I, Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe you know. I mean, I'm sure somebody will enlighten us. Yeah. Are we? Su- were, we were you supposed to check off white? I wonder. Like in that case, like no. What, I, it just you know. I'm <laughs> sure that the person. Well, what does it say? If I say white, 
and my background is Iranian, what does that tell them? Like, if they, if I'm just some, what what data is that? How does that help them? I don't I, know. You know, I have no idea. I don't either. But again, <laughs> there, there's two things. On a political level, we're not seen as white people. We learned that with mm. 9/11. We learned that with the Banaf Sheikh Ali, and the, the doesn't matter how white your skin is with the Patriot Act, with you know, and trying to get into the states, right? Mm-hmm. But on a just a gene on a DNA level. With this stem cell stuff, I mean, you know, you really realize it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Right? It makes mm-hmm. a difference what your your your, your makeup is, right? Mm-hmm. And that and that collective groups of people have a certain makeup, and mm-hmm. that's what you know. So uh, so where do we fit? I mean, this might be fun for non-Iranians to like, you know, because uh, they still face this issue. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, God love you if you're. Chinese, you know that you're Asian, yes. and if you come from Africa, you know you're African. Or and even though that, I mean, there's a lot of other categories in Africa, of course. Yes. But yeah. but uh, we don't even have our our region. We have no box. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even have a box. <laughs> uh, speaking of letters, uh, the, we have letters coming up. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, uh, lots about? of about uh, Benefshe. Oh, last week. A lot of love for her. Yeah, people yeah. love that. Yeah, the Nezami. Yes. She does that podcast about um, what was it, Khosrow and Shirin. Mm-hmm. She kind of mm. adapted that. She certainly does. Yeah. All right, we'll get to those things. You okay? I'm good. Why no, do you I'm ask? Sorry, low energy. Oh, just Monday, Monday mm. blues. Actually, yeah. yesterday I binge listening to the Banafshes. Oh, oh really? Yeah, How yeah, was yeah. it? It was really good. It was really even yeah. though you know the story of Jose and Shirin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a you know, it's it's like a series on Netflix. Mm. I was engaged yeah. and yeah, no. I think I listened to like fifteen episodes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. See, my problem is I barely understand like conversational Persian. So mm. like, let alone poetic <laughs> Persian. You know, it sounds. What, what race are you? <laughs> I'm still undetermined. <laughs> Haven't figured that out. That's right. Thirty plus years later. Uh, all right. Um, well, that's interesting, Shai. Were you imbibing? Were you enjoying some substance uh, um, experiences while you were listening to these uh, stories? No, chai. Chai. Oh, okay. Chai with Banafshe. Chai with Banafshe. Yes, you were taking her. Yes. A yeah. recommendation. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. All right. We'll get to letters with Keon and uh, Shai and Keon. Stick around. We'll come back. Let's get to our featured guest list. And if you're a fan of Iranian pop music of a certain age anywhere around the world, you will recognize the sounds of our featured guest today. He's an Iranian Swedish pop singer, songwriter, producer who rose to fame as a young artist about 15 years ago and then took a break at the height of his fame. But now he's back making music and doing so in a prolific way. Take a listen to this. There you go, a little taste of Della Della. 
a new single released by Cameron Cardio. Cameron was born Kamran Sabahi in Tehran just before the 1979 revolution, migrated to Sweden as a political refugee with his family in the 80s. Since then, he has become one of the best-known young Persian pop performers in the Iranian diaspora, as well as being an accomplished chef. Cameron catapulted to success with his debut song, Roma, that became a top five Swedish hit in 2005. He then did a collaboration with the acclaimed Algerian rise singer, Khaled, which made Cameron a star throughout Arab and Spanish-speaking countries. Khaled and Cameron performed the song, Hannah, at the European Athletics Championship in 2006, held in Gothenburg, Sweden, for an estimated live audience of 100,000. That performance was broadcast by many of the major European national TV networks, but it was thereafter that Cameron, at the peak of his popularity, stepped away from music. He moved to America, would get married, and focused on his culinary talents, but now he is back making music and doing so with a decidedly spiritual bent as well. And right now, Cameron Cardio joins us from Los Angeles, California today. Hello, sir. Hello, hello, my God, what an introduction. Thank you so much, John. It's uh, great uh, to be on a rock show and, um, you know, to have a wonderful chat with you. I know you're a musician too, so it's going to be a special one. Very nice to have you on the program, my brother. You know, the reason I wanted to kick off with that song is not only because it's new and it's dedicated to your wife, De La Rome, De La De La, but also because it employs this made-up language in that song, which is one of the fascinating things that you do and have done and that some people will, of course, know you for. This is what you did with your big debut hit, uh, Roma, back in 2005. Um, Let me ask about that. What was the, I'm talking specifically about this made-up language. What was the original precipitant for deciding to do that? So uh, Roma is a very, very special song to me. Uh, It's because it opened the doors to all my dreams. So let me go a little bit back. I was a, I've been always a a songwriter and a producer. I never saw myself as a artist or a singer. I was a songwriter and a producer. So I had made, so I made this song Roma and uh, I wanted to record the melody for uh, the lyrics. Uh, So I pressed record and then I uh, started uh, both putting the melody and in order to determine if the melody is good or not it instead of saying dun 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 if you put words on it uh you will later on be able to determine if it's a good melody or not like mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't sound like anything but it's right that's, that's how right. my brain this word uh so i put that uh made up language on top of this uh chords and music that i've created and it's actually exactly as you hear it in the record. Afterwards, when I listened to it, I thought to myself, this sounds like a language. <laughs> and then it, it hit me, why what, what, what don't I do a song that is made, you know, uh, first song ever made in a no language uh, song? I don't know how, how to explain it, but uh, that, that was the idea. And uh, later on, I have, I have um, ideas why that came to me, specifically to me, but that's more but, spiritual. But, I mean, at the time, it's quite an aud- audacious 
decision. I mean, first of all, it, um, you're not the first person. I mean, there's uh, legendary, you know, uh, stories of Paul McCartney, you know, humming songs that we now know, of course, as these Beatles hits and and with placeholder words that make no sense or something, you know, that that has been done in the past. But to release the song that way, especially for a young artist, you know, with your debut, it's quite audacious. Were you at all worried that this might not be received or that people just be like, what what is he doing? What is this? Of course, it took me about four or five months before I dared to play it for someone. I knew a person uh, named uh, Simam, and uh, he became a manager later on. Uh, so I played this song for him. When he heard it, he was like, wow, this this is amazing. This sounds really good, and we could make this to a hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when my eyes you know, <laughs> started to shine. I was like, really? Uh, so I was, yes, I was scared to play it for um, others, especially people in the music industry to, you know, to, I didn't want them to laugh at me. Like, what, what have you done? What is this? And did anyone say at any point, uh, you need to make this into real lyrics or, or did everybody give it their blessing? I, of course, afterwards, I heard uh, once the song was released, why don't you do a Persian version of this? Why don't you do an English version of this? Why don't you do a Spanish version of this? Actually, there is a Spanish version on the song Roma, but uh, no other languages. You you have a name. You have a name for this made up language of yours, right? What's the name of it again? Do I? I don't. Don't you? You call you call the language something. It's called like a conlag or something like that. Or what? What do you call it? Kulang. I've I've read about it. Oh, somebody else made uh, that up. But I didn't make that word actually. That's uh, so, so funny. When I... once the song was out, uh, of course there was uh, reviews about it. There was uh, um, journalists who wrote about this, and I think that was uh, that word came from one journalist. I don't know, Kulang or something like that. Something like that. Why? To, so why did you decide to return to the made-up language now for De La De La? That is because uh, my fans, they asked me, can you do another song that is in that made up language? I didn't want to do an entire song uh, in that language, uh, but some parts of it. Um, I have to say, this is not just uh, um, regular fans. These are, uh, some of them have been fans. Some have been professional big artists that I know. Now they've, they've asked me, you should do this. You should do this again. So all those um, inputs um, made me to uh, create another made-up language song. Is it is sorry to go so deep on the language, but I'm, it's curious to me. Is the made-up language is it actually just gibberish, or is it like a one of those languages like on Star Trek where there's actually an alphabet and it's like Vulcan, like you 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 could speak it with somebody in secret code? No, I can't. It's just it's just made up. Comes at the moment when I pretty much write that song and if i like it i keep it but it doesn't it doesn't have a dictionary it's it's interesting that you should be the guy doing a made, made up language because you have a facility for languages that you've mastered i mean your relationship with languages is is, is quite deep as well you obviously perform in persian and farsi and english you speak swedish you perform in spanish sometimes you dip into all those languages in your work and and the made up one uh, have you ever worried, has it ever been a career issue in terms of your music that um, it's going to be challenging for an audience that is used to pigeonhole performers that fit into one box or another, that here's this hybrid guy who's who's navigating through four different languages? Um, 
at the moment no i don't think so because when they now that i have a track record i have a, a history they know okay when once this guy releases a song it could be you know it could be either of them and uh, if somebody's interested to you know click on my name or click on that song they're prepared to uh, uh be surprised with that uh that it might be in a different language that they don't understand however there is a, a um there is always in my songs which i believe or I, this is my uh, perception of them that there is a, a good feel in that song uh, regardless of what language i sing it's going to be nice melodies it's going to be rhythmic it's going to be happy feeling i could listen to this you know on a party or in a car uh i think that because of those reasons maybe the language becomes a secondary thing in the whole song cameron where did the spanish and latin influence that you can hear in your music emerge from it has to do with my own background so uh when we moved from iran uh when i was very young we lived in spain for a year and then afterwards we moved to uh sweden and in sweden there is uh people from all around the world we were probably like uh, 30 people in my classroom when it was uh, uh 12 14 15 uh, and up uh but we could have maybe like 10 12 uh, nationalities in in one class it was swedish it was vietnamese it was uh, Chile, from Chile, we had Guatemala, everything was there. We had from Africa, we had from Middle East, Denmark, Norway, Sweden. It was a very, very uh, mixed uh, classrooms that I attended. And I think because of those reasons, I was very broad when it come, came to music and cultures in general. Uh, once I grew a little old, older, uh, around like 16, 17, 18, um, I loved the rhythmic uh, Spanish, Latin guitars. I loved the clubbiness of European uh, music. I loved synthesizing music like Jean-Michel Jarre and other um, 80s uh, and 90s uh, synthesizer pop bands. These are the songs I still listen to. Other influences was uh, Modern Talking, Alphaville, Bad Boys Blue, Ricky Martin, Enrique Iglesias, before that was his father, uh, Julio Iglesias, right. uh, Luis Miguel, uh, Mark Anthony. There's a lot of uh, Latin ones, right. a lot of right. European uh, artists and songwriters have influenced me. And um, of course, Persians uh, also, but not as much um, as the others. Well, it's interesting that you should say Persians at the end of that, because um, I spent the weekend listening to your music. Uh, or a lot of the weekend listening to your music. And, and um, you know, I was reflecting on the fact that it's, uh, when you become well-known as you have, or you have a couple of hits in, in a certain language, uh, it, it's, it becomes obvious, you know, it makes sense now that Cameron Cardio would be performing singing in, in Persian. But actually, I was thinking it, it doesn't necessarily make sense. You've grown up, you spent most of your life outside of Iran. Uh, you grew up in your, your teen years in Sweden. Uh, uh, you had that foray in Spain. You've been in America for a long time. Uh, and obviously, the music markets in English or in Spanish are so much bigger than the Persian sort of niche pop music market. Tell me about the decision to perform in, in Persian. Why, why did you do that? Um, the the main reason was because I am Persian, that I'm uh, Farsi speaking. We we spoke Farsi when I grew up, 
من فارسی خیلی خوبه فارسی واقعا خیلی خوب صحبت میکنم کسایی که اصلا تو ایران زندگی میکنن میگن تو تو خارج بزرگ شدی anyway. ولی لچه من نداری ولی لچه خوب من دارم سعی میکنم I'm trying to get to your لحجه I'm joking لچه is shit I was joking too so because I'm because I'm Persian and I speak Farsi I automatically was attracted to it too once the idea came when I first started Of course, so I started with this uh, made-up language, and uh, I was signed with a uh, Swedish or international uh, record label. At some point, uh, Sony actually told me, "Why don't you do songs in you know uh, same melody, same thing, but do it in Farsi also?" And uh, that's where the actual idea of making this uh, my songs in Farsi. However, it was a, a different kind of Farsi, not because I didn't know better words, but it was. Uh, to use very very simple words to satisfy the board of directors in Sony Music, <laughs> because they gave me the idea. Why don't you sing in Farsi? So each songs I had to you know uh, play for them. What do you think of this word? What do you think about that sentence? And for them, it had to be um, easy to understand. <laughs> And then I would be able to uh, okay, this is a keeper. Like words like re re. Um, or difficult word ishqami, which they can pronounce, it would be out of the way. And um, that's so that's so convoluted that <laughs> the record company execs who don't speak English want you to sing in Persian, but then they don't want the words to be too difficult in Persian. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much so. What they said and what it does as for a, a as a musician songwriter, it limits you extremely much. Imagine trying to write a song in English, but you can't use word. Uh, you can't use you. You can't use love. You can't use the word uh, uh, feeling great or things like that. It limits you very, very much. I want to come. I'm going to come back to the the record label and the, and the challenges it presented for you um, when you started to become very well known. Uh, first, take me back. Uh, speaking about being Persian and and how you identify. You grew up as a little kid in Iran. What what were you like as a kid? I mean, you obviously come from a a very creative family. We've had your brother, uh, uh, the great video maker, filmmaker, on our show. Um, were you always a performer when you're a kid in Tehran? Uh, no, no. I have. I was. Uh, I would say I was. I've been shy. I'm still shy. Um, I do come from a uh, creative family. Um, my brother had is very big reason why I even came into music. Um, as I mentioned before, Jean Michel Jarre and other uh, synthesizer uh, bands, uh, I got introduced to them through my brother. Uh, he had a keyboard in his uh, uh, room, which I was never allowed to touch, <laughs> by the way. But he was always listening to all these uh, synthesizer music. And uh, that's how I got interested in those artists, in the music. And whenever he wasn't in his room, I would uh, sneak in and start playing uh, on that keyboard until he came. What are you doing? Get out of here! The older brother syndrome <laughs> that he had. So it's always fascinating to me when somebody who's a performer uh, and who's you know got a good look and who I mean has is has been a rock star t- says they're shy. 
Um, is that a paradox that you see or does it make sense to you that you're a shy guy, but you can get up on stage and perform in front of a hundred thousand people? I think, uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, I've, a lot of uh, shy people do very well when they are on stage or in front of a camera because um, you, all these things that you have inside you, you could actually release it and it's okay to release it because you're in front of an audience. They ex expect it for you to go all the way. You're in front of a camera. It's expected of you to go all the way. Whereas when those elements are not there, for me, it feels uh, strange to um, not be myself because when I'm on stage, I'm actually, it's a different me uh, that I'm representing. And if I'm doing it all the time, then uh, there is nothing left to show on the stage. It's, it's, I don't know. It's like if you dress up well every, every day, whenever there's a special occasion and you dress up, you're not going to feel special. Um, How would you describe the Cameron Cardio on stage, the different you? A very uh, self-confident, uh, entertaining, and... Um, could <laughs> cocky maybe, um, but th those are also me. But everything ha has its own place. <laughs> for instance, I never sing for myself. If, if, you know, singers they always sing when they're in the shower, when they're in their cars. I don't. I only sing when I have to sing, and this this is the part that comes into when I uh, mentioned in the beginning of our interview, I was never a singer. I never saw myself as a singer. I was a songwriter and producer. I became a singer. And um, I was. I remember I was sitting with a, a Sony Music exec executives and uh, this song, Roma, it was written uh, as a demo. It got signed, it was, uh, it, it was supposed to get signed, but we couldn't find a great singer for this because it was a made up, made up language, first of all not a, a a famous singer wouldn't dare to put his name under something like that uh that was it. so we got a few rejections like oh the song is good but i don't want to do it uh, and then the executives of sony told me why don't you do this song yourself you're singing on it you look good you uh, it sounds good and uh, you should you should be the artist and that all of a sudden i said okay you know what let's do this so we did it and that's how i became the artist and um, I remember one, uh, the, the CEO of, the, of Sony told me that, okay, so from now on, you've always been a uh, songwriter, you've been a uh, producer, an artist or singer, and now it's the opposite. You are a singer, you are a songwriter and a producer. So these two last ones, just disregard them, we're going to leave that to wow. other people. Wow. You should focus being a singer and artist wow well let me let me come back to that but since we've talked so much about roma let's play a little bit of it this is from your debut album this would have been in 2005 that it finally comes out um and it's a huge one for you this is the track that i know many folks will recognize out there this is a taste of roma Ooh, 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 ooh
little taste of the track Roma from the debut album by Cameron Cardio, Boundless, from 2005. Uh, I know you said that you sometimes compose songs very quickly. We've talked about the, the singing, the language, the lyrics of that song or the made-up language. Tell me about the music of it. Was that one of those that you wrote very quickly? Absolutely, yes. The music came pretty uh, quick. Uh, I, I recorded the chords, the progression of uh, the verse, and then goes into uh, pre-chorus, and then the chords of the chorus. Once I had those, uh, then I started to record um, the melodies on top of it. So the lyric part of it pretty much came in like uh, one recording, in like a few minutes. Uh, the rest of the song, maybe I would say I, I spent maybe probably a, an hour on it to get the basics of it. Of course, we spent many, many more sure, hours to sure. finalize. But the melody came really quickly. That uh, I mean, Cameron, at this point when when Boundless, like, say, is about to come out, um, I'm I'm doing the math. I'm figuring you're in your mid-20s at this point. You're in Stockholm. You're in Sweden. Uh, was it clear that this was going to be a career for you? Or or what were you doing at that time? Did it, it sort of, I, I can only imagine the, the, the amount of success that the album had was something that you hadn't planned. Um, what did you think was going to happen with your life at that point? Um, of course, I was not expecting that. Uh, it happened very quickly, everything. I've always wanted to have uh, music as my uh, uh, one of my professions, but I always I had a uh, different passion also, which was uh, cooking. So I, st- I after after I realized, okay, I have a very strong interest for this too, which is also art in itself. I went to a culinary school, and uh, right after that, I started working as a as a young cook. When I was working as a cook, it's uh, it hit me that okay, that I love this profession. Besides the loving part of it, it gave me a, a security satisfaction also. Music, it's a risky business. If I won't, one day I don't make money out of the music, I still have uh, cooking to fall back on. Yeah, Th- these two became very, very important part of my life. But I'm guessing when Boundless comes out, you, you don't have a lot of time for cooking. No, technically not, but I try to manage it. There is always time to make things happen if you really believe in, in it. And uh, I did it for a very long time. Uh, I was working as a professional chef and I was a professional uh, recording artist. Uh, I was able to manage both of them. I, Funny enough, I would have concerts, go, go into different countries, would have been doing uh, interviews, TV shows, uh, big live uh, concerts, uh, picked up and uh, brought back to airport with limousines. And then when I came back to Stockholm, I would the following day I would go into his kitchen and cooking, <laughs> uh, chopping uh, different <laughs> things, and uh, I would actually tell this story to my friends. I was like, you know what I did last night? I was doing this and this, showing picture. It's big contrast. I was able to do it for a a good amount of time, but when it started to become, I had to travel outside uh, Sweden a lot of time. Um, that's when it became challenging because I had to be away for days or weeks it wasn't fair to my co-workers uh, that i had to always say hey i have to go i have to go in the beginning they understood uh, because it was cool <laughs> that their co-worker is a superstar uh, they but after a while i didn't think it was a fair fair to them so i i took a big pause 
uh, from cooking. I love the scene. I love imagining the scene there. You are in the in the kitchen with a bunch of other cooks in you know in some back kitchen in in Stockholm, and you're like, yeah, I I, I was performing in Paris last night, and they're like, yeah, sure, pal, just finish the onions, just keep uh, keep cutting, right. <laughs> We have a group of twenty-five coming in one hour. Just that's right. Whatever. Sure, cutting. sure, sure. Rock star. Can you now? You know, finish the soup. Yeah. Um, you know, my my uh, introduction to you was another song on that album. It won't surprise you, I guess, because I've I've always I was a longtime fan of Khaled, and uh, it's a song called Hannah. That uh, becomes a major song for you as well, and it's it's this song that you do with with uh, Khaled, who's this Rai uh, singer. Um, I think he's Algerian, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and this song makes you uh, popular across the Arab world. Let's play a little bit of Hannah. This is Car- Cameron Cardia. <laughs> I remember when that song came out. That's Hannah from 2006. Um, that was huge. I had no idea that you were a Persian guy. Uh, that Cameron Cardio, I mean, doesn't sound Persian, and you're working with with Khaled. How how did that come about? Uh, so um, this Hannah became a massive, massive hit. I had no idea that my life is gonna go this direction uh, when uh, we created the song. Uh, this song was uh, created by. Uh, Alex Papa Constantino, Marcus Engloff, and myself. This song was actually also in a uh, made-up language. The first lyrics was from beginning to end was made-up language. It was like this. That's the original lyrics. It doesn't mean anything. However, uh, we decided to make this. This was when the per, uh, when we decided to go into the uh, Farsi part of these songs. And once the Farsi parts were done, it sounded really good. I tried to use the same theme, same uh, words that it is in the original one. Henna, henna, we kept. Um, my manager knew um, um, Chef Khaled's manager at that time. And um, I was a big fan of I mean, who isn't? Everybody's a big fan of Jeff yeah. Pilot. The, my, the guys who I wrote the song with, myself, and then we decided to send the song to Khaled uh, to see what he if he wants to uh, be in it. And he loved the song. He said, uh, "I want to, I want to do this song." And a lot of times, uh, <clears throat> huge artists like uh, like Chef Khaled, if if they if if they're gonna sing with a nobody, which I was at that time, I was a nobody. They they require financial this financial that, but our, to our surprise, he said, "I like this song. We're gonna do it completely, you know, free of charge," which was a huge uh, compliment mm. uh, that somebody uh, in that caliber is, or is accepting uh, is liking the song so much that he said, "You know what? I'm gonna do this because I want to be in it." 
sure enough, we, we recorded his uh, melodies and lyrics. He wrote it himself, the, both the melody and the, the lyric. We did two music videos for it. And the reason we did two music video is because the first one we made, uh, it was a big budget uh, music video that my brother Aleke made. Uh, he, we did it in Los Angeles. After that song was uh, released in Sweden, the Sony Music in Europe, uh, each year they have a, uh, they pick one song that all Sonys have to release. It's a big, 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 big deal. Um, my song got picked mm. and I get goosebumps when I tell this. It, it was a close setting. It was probably like 50 people, all executives around the world. We performed and a few weeks later they said, Cameron, uh, your song has been picked to be released for summer 2006 mm. in the whole Europe by Sony Music in Hungary, Germany, uh, Italy. So when that happened, uh, the major European Sony said that, okay, now we, we need to create a new music video for this with a bigger budget. Uh, so uh, they flew me to Cuba and the uh, director of that uh, music video became um, Stuart Gosling. He had done a music video for Backstreet Boys. And um, we did another music video and uh, it was played everywhere. Everywhere I toured in Europe, I was was at in a hotel room. I would put TV on music channels. I would see myself. I saw myself on MTV, uh, which was, um, and this is singing Farsi. Uh, singing Farsi and being on MTV <laughs> had not been done. Um, and uh, it was a, Massive, did, massive. Did people uh, know that the singing was in Farsi? I mean, I, um, you know, do people actually catch on to that, or the Khalid fans might might have thought it was just Arabic or some other language? Uh, well, the, the Arab people would know that this is not Arabic. Arabs would. I'm talking about non-Arab uh, Khalid fans. Arabs. Uh, I don't know what they would were actually, you know, thinking. They probably thought this is a good song. I don't know which right, if they right. knew it was in this language or not. Because some versions of it was in Spanish, depending on which part of the world it was uh, being played at, and some was in Farsi. Uh, but with the time I saw myself on MTV, uh, we didn't have uh, iPhones or uh, it was regular cameras. I saw myself, I couldn't believe it. I took a picture when it was my face and that MTV logo that I grew up with, seeing Michael Jackson, seeing George Michael, seeing Prince, uh, being in that. And those people inspired me to become uh, going to in, in music and to see myself on MTV, it was a massive uh, satisfaction. Uh, and um, yeah. By the way, with the with the made up language lyrics, it, it's a tremendous indictment, really, of lyricists who've labored over their works for years <laughs> of great poets that that basically, at least in some genres, in some moments, it really doesn't matter what the lyrics are. Uh, people are just into the, the melody and the music and are happy to sing with placeholder words, right? Correct. One uh, reason I actually decided to, okay, we're, we're going to keep this um, um, made up language is because, as I mentioned before, I used to listen to uh, uh, music that I didn't understand. Uh, I was able to sing... Uh, Romanian songs. I was able to sing uh, um, Spanish songs without knowing what I'm what I'm singing, and so that I knew that okay, you don't have to always know what you're singing in order to enjoy the song or to remember the song or in order to to sing it. Yeah. 
I'm sure a lot of people don't know, they don't know what bailamos is, but they kept saying bailamos. Oh my god, this is so right, good. Right, right. Despacito. <laughs> Despacito, and yeah. So that's when I understood uh, that language. You don't have to always understand what you're, uh, what the other person is saying. It's so as long true. As it sounds good and it sounds easy to sing uh, about it, and uh, you know then. It's uh, it's good to go. So true. Sometimes it's even in the same language, uh, but it's Bob Dylan or Jagger or something, and you just can't understand what they're saying anyway. Uh, <laughs> or there's the the famous song, uh, this is Springsteen song, uh, "Blinded by the Light," and it goes, "Blinded by the light." No one knows. You know, it took me years to figure out. Revved up like a deuce, another runner in the night. I mean, who would know? You know, but it didn't stop that from being a massive hit and people singing along to it. Um, so right around this time, Cameron, let's get into what, what happened with you. And I don't know how much you, you're ready to talk about it or you want to talk about it, but I, I want to give you the platform if you do. Uh, right around this time, 2005, 2006, thereafter, you are a burgeoning massive star, but um, you are unhappy enough that you basically stop making music uh, after that for a few years. Why? With all this success, it came with a price tag. The price tag was that uh, we'll give you all this stuff, but you have to listen to what we say. It's our way or no way at all. And um, that's a bad side. That's the dark side of uh, being a pop singer or uh, being a new in, in this pop industry. That uh, once you reach that, you have to uh, pretty much, you have to give up all your rights you have to listen to what the record label tells you you have to listen to what your manager tells you and uh, you become a puppet you become a um, i don't know what what a good word for that is uh, when you're young it's okay all right i'll do this i'll do that but after a while it becomes a uh, problem to the point that uh, if i wanted to cut my hair i had to ask uh, sony my manager uh, if i wanted to uh, go somewhere a party or a whatever uh, a gathering i had to ask permission is it okay and a lot of times it was no you can't go there it's my friend's birthday and i'm like 26 years old it's these things are important no you can't go to your friend's uh, birthday party you can't do this you can't do that you can't do this and this is just your social life which technically shouldn't have anything to do with with them but it uh, it does, and I'm not the only one who has experienced this. I'm sure a lot of lot of um, other artists could relate to this. And um, and then there comes the the musical part of it also, uh, where I'm a creative person. I write songs and uh, sing songs, but then um, your record label and manager starts to interfering too much into what you you should be doing and what you should not be doing as far as your creativity also goes what you're doing on stage how uh, what you should say what you, who should be on your uh, on stage all these things uh, started you're being dictated what to do and what not to do and uh, i didn't like it i didn't like that at all that it bothered me so much that i wasn't myself anymore i'm not enjoying uh, what i'm doing music was always a enjoyable um, moment for me it was an enjoyable thing for me to do when i was doing it but uh at my the peak of my career i was not happy um 
I was not happy because I was uh, not allowed to do whatever I wanted to do or uh, the things I took me to become a songwriter or musician or artist. Uh, all those things were removed from my soul. And um, so I decided that uh, one day I said, you know what, I'll do uh, everything that is already booked, we'll do it. But then after that, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're correct in the notion that you're not the only person who's ever faced this. Uh, you know, Prince walked around famously for a few years with slave written on his cheek because of the uh, obligations that he had to still fulfill to Warner Brothers that he he didn't want to fulfill uh, anymore. But I'm not sure they were telling him how to how to cut his hair. I mean, it's pretty extraordinary in your case, and it, it feels like they they really didn't understand who you were or what you brought as an artist. I mean, it seems odd to me, odd to me that you were a guy who was writing, who was producing and you were singing, but you were treated by the sound of it like a singer for hire that you'd find in a boy band when it came to your record label and management. Why did they not understand what they had with you? Honestly, till today, I don't know um, what, what that, why that reason is. It could be that, I was never, I didn't approach them as an artist. Uh, they made me, they said, why don't you become the artist? Maybe that was the, the key factor that's, okay, we have created this. So he should be listening to what we are saying. And I think it's, it's just part of the, um, the business in general that uh, uh, labels and management, they want to have control over uh, their um, artists so they could execute what they have in mind and that is you know to create this uh, product well the label maybe but the management uh forgive me but it's 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 unforgivable i mean the management's supposed to be representing you to the label it's management's working for you right i was working for him and um that was that was the reason we broke up our relationship our work relationship because it was a uh, i was an employee of the of my manager which is it should be equal at least it should be equal not not the way around he was a fantastic he was a great uh manager who, what he did was uh, very very good i i really appreciate everything he did but uh, it could have lasted much longer had we had a different kind of balance in our a work a different work balance yeah i tend to think a great manager really understands and wants what's best for where the artist wants to go creatively and creates the conditions where the artist can have a long career, which didn't happen in the, in this case in terms of the, the foresight of the manager. But, I, I, you know, I don't know the situation. I, I just feel bad that you went through that. Do you think that th this may be a strange thing to say, but I, I, you may know where I'm coming from on this. Do you think that the fact that you're, you're good looking, that you had a look, was a liability uh, in some way in the sense that they they kind of saw you and thought oh this guy can be the next ricky martin as opposed to if you looked like tom york from radiohead they'd go oh he's an artist you know 100 percent. i i was treated as a boy man when it was just you know i a one person the next ricky martin absolutely it had something to do with it yes that's uh, a britney spears a a justin timberlake those have also been, I'm sure, I'm sure they have been very uh, manipulated throughout their careers as what to do and what to say and what to think and what to be. 
How hard was it to step away? It was easy. It was at the time it was easy because there's so much build up uh, that the decision is is easy. But then I was uh, I couldn't do it. Once I broke the contract, it was I was not able to uh, uh, fully do uh, continue my music uh, because of the the clause and uh, paragraphs in in my contract that I couldn't uh, fully do what I wanted to do music wise. I thought you know what uh, it has been very compressed and compact my career. I'm just going to take a few years break. And uh, but what I know today. I wouldn't have taken that break. I would have found a different way, either to get along with my uh, contract situation, with my uh, record label, with manager, or if I broke it, I would uh, find a different way to continue the, my career and not let it uh, become a gap, a five, six, seven year more yeah. gap. Because uh, I lost that momentum. Yes. Uh, you know, you have to be honest with yourself too, and I am. And uh, I didn't realize what I was until many years after. Today, I know what I was. But when I, during those years, I just saw myself as a normal, you know, guy. Uh, I didn't know how much lives I've impacted mm. with my music. And um, one of the reasons would because there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, and uh, this direct uh, contact with the artists didn't exist at that time. And it's nowadays that I hear about their stories. Oh, you were this, you meant this to me, You because of your music, I'm doing this. So um, I didn't realize my worth at that time. Knowing what I know now, I would have acted differently back in 2008. Or have you something. have you run into that manager since? Have you, have you guys talked? Yes, I I saw him a um, few years after uh, our uh, breakup in Dubai, and uh, we, you know, we we hugged and we talked and cause there's a lot we went through together. So we're not uh, enemies, hmm. uh, but we are not um, we're not working together. No, and we're not actually talking that much either. Hmm. Barely anything. I would say, but um, if I went back in time, I would do things a little differently because God gave me a uh, gift. I had a very, very big gift, but I um, didn't know what to do with it. Uh, yeah, but with that said, I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but don't you also feel like um, whenever I think about things I would have done differently in the past, I also think then I wouldn't be who I am today. I mean, uh, if if your life takes a different trajectory, you don't end up with married to the woman you love now, or or you know with the, the in the situation you're in now, or at a job that you love so much, or just knowing yourself in a way that you wouldn't have known yourself. I mean, isn't isn't that part of it? Don't you really think in the end, what was meant to be is meant to be? I think you're very right. I think you're very right. I wouldn't be where I am or be the person I am today if you know, that path had been uh, continued. So you're absolutely right. Um, well, if there is another fringe benefit of, of uh, the pause in your music career at that point, albeit at your peak, is that you dive into your other passion, which you've talked about, the culinary arts. 
Uh, tell me about the love of of cooking and food and and whether that does that satiate you in the same creative way that writing and creating music does i would say yes when you're creative and you create something good it gives you a satisfaction it gives you a proud moment and cooking does when you write a great song and you listen to it you, you lean back over like oh my god this is so good that proud moment same thing goes with uh when you when you create a nice dish and you need to pick a picture out of it or you just you know try it you make a really nice complicated sauce and you eat it with that oh wow that happiness that it gives you comes from something you've created it uh, unleashes my creativity it unleashes my curiosity people who are creators they're also um seekers because you have to be seeker to be able to create you have to have your radars uh, open all the time to absorb things that are going in your surrounding or able to create what's within you it do, it doesn't necessarily satisfy the performance side though right i mean you um i know that you're you're an executive chef now at a, at a major american company uh there in california and uh uh, that's got to be gratifying. That probably pays very well, I'm guessing, and um, and it's solid and it's stable. Um, but it's not the same as uh, arriving in Madrid and performing in front of a a stadium of people, right? No, it's it's not. It's it's different. It's very few things that actually could live up to um, to come to a stadium full of uh, people and. When, when your music is being played, you're performing and it's that interaction. There is not many things. Probably sports is the equivalent to it. Not even if you're a movie star, you don't understand. Right. You don't know that because it's, it's, not, it's not the same thing. You're a superstar, but you, don't have, you never feel that. Right. Um, however, in the cooking world, when I walk out with my chef coat and it says executive chef, and people see it, it's, it, they treat you like star. Hmm. It's like, he's the executive chef. <laughs> it's unbelievable that, they, you know, it, it feels like they've saw, seen a superstar. It, and they tell their friends, do you know who this guy is? <laughs> he's the executive chef here. And uh, so, you know, you, you get that. Uh, I get that a little bit. Um, so uh, do you have a do you have a signature dish as a chef? No, I don't have a signature dish because uh, I love just uh, experimenting with different uh, uh, ingredients, uh, twisting uh, things. And uh, however, I, I'm uh, I, my specialty. I would say soups and sauces. Uh, it sounds very um, simple, but it's very very difficult. There are sauces that I cook for maybe like 48, 72 hours, and when you try it, it's just wow! This is uh, this is amazing. I love to cook uh, fish because you could be very creative with fish. For instance, you could have a you could you could do a white wine strawberry sauce and put it next to a halibut, mm. but you can't do that with a lamb. You can't have a, a red wine strawberry demi glaze on next to a. Um, I mean, you can, but it's, it just sounds really. Nobody's gonna eat it, but you could have a a, a fruity uh, citrus right. Uh, right. sauce next to a fish. So it gives you a little bit more creativity room for creativity 
Well, yeah, okay, you know what you're talking about, it sounds like. But you, fortunately for us, you're not just um, uh, an executive chef now at a, at a company. You're, you are back into making music. And I, I mentioned, I said the word prolific um, in the introduction. I said that because it seems like you're putting out quite a bit of music of, of different kinds. And one field that you've begun working in is um, Persian worship music. If I have that, uh, I don't know what the term of the music is. Is it Persian worship? It's Christian music, yes? Yes. Tell me uh, about that. So um, I'm a Christian now. I got introduced to Christianity by my wife. It's pretty much who, who, whoever I was and everything I did was already in the line of uh, being a Christian. And it, my path to just... Uh, um, received a name pretty much on top of it. Um, now I know where I'm going. And because of the love of music, the love for um, uh, my religion, Christ and God, um, and everything I have, I always thank, before I became a Christian, I always thank God. God, thank you so much for, you know, for all the blessings I've had. Even the song Roma, I believe it was a gift from God. It opened all the doors. That's language. Uh, it's, I don't think I made it. I think it was brought to me by God inside me to be able to sing that or to create that because it would change my life. And then once I became a Christian, I wanted to uh, give back to uh, everything I had uh, received, all the gifts I received. So I created a song um, called Besbar Bechoda. And uh, that song is uh, my thank you uh, to my Lord. That's for all the blessings I've received in life. And uh, it became a very uh, successful song in the Christian uh, world. As far as I know, no other uh, Persian artist had done a, you know, straight out Christian song where it says hallelujah in it. Uh, and that is missing in, 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 the, in that market. There is, uh, uh, then there's a need for it. And I have really, really big news in that too. Besides the music part of it, so I'm developing a um, music platform app um, similar to Spotify, similar to um, um, Radio Javan to mention few. It's streaming uh, music, Farsi music for worship, Christian Farsi music in one platform. And I want to help to uh, unify, um, make it more uniform to make it uh, bring up the sound quality with the help I'm going to give to the artists. Uh, to mm, just help them within the production and on top of it, have one place where whoever's seeking these uh, Persian worship songs could go and whoever wants to release it, have one place to, to go to. Uh, and that is missing in, 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 the, in that market. I want to fulfill that need with the help of God. It certainly sounds like it's going to uh, feed uh, what is so far an empty lane in terms of creating that that streaming service, that app. I, w I was going to play a bit of a song called uh, Avalohar. What do you want to say about this one? Because of Besporokoda, I got introduced to a pastor. Together, we wanted to create a um, worship song that is uh, a little elevated as far as uh, production and music video goes. And, uh, and that's how... Um, uh, Avalohar came um, and has been written by um, one of uh, Iwan's uh, actually very uh, greatest uh, songwriters. Uh, his name is Amy. He wrote many songs for uh, Shadmer Arili. He wrote the lyrics for this. 
uh, and um, I love me. Kevin, you talk about uh, there being a um, a number of artists in the in the Persian Christian this worship genre. Uh, how how big is it? I mean, I'm I'm not aware of this. Uh, this I wasn't aware of this genre until like this week at researching you. Um, I guess it makes sense that it exists, but uh, how many artists are there working in this field? Uh, there are a lot of artists. Um, so each church have their own uh, worship group team. And uh, a lot of times they play uh, either their own songs or they sing. Uh, they take a uh, American uh, worship song, which the American market or the American uh, worship music is very, very big. I have to correct myself. Not the American, the English speaking. English speaking, yeah. yeah. Yes, English speaking. And they take their songs and they... they um, uh, they translated to uh, Farsi, and they, you know, they sing in church. Um, so there was, there's a lot of uh, um, musician that uh, is, you know, working on worship music. How much of a life interruption was it for you to convert to Christianity? I mean, were there? How did your family deal with that, or or, or others in your circle? Uh, no challenge. It was, uh, it was very natural. Because I, I didn't change myself. I was already, I just continued being who I am. It just has a path now. What about your, what about your fans? What about people who follow your music? Have you heard any interesting reactions from them? Oh, besides positive reaction, I haven't heard any, anything yeah, negative. Um, yeah. Hey, it's good to talk to you, man. What, a, what an interesting um, journey you've been on and that you are on. Um, and given that we've talked about some of the changes uh, in your life and, and the big break with music uh, and then the big break away from music uh, 10, 15 years ago, what would you say is the best part of where you are at today? Uh, the best part is that <clears throat> I have stability. I have a great family. I have, uh, <clears throat> I'm doing things I love. I am uh, wiser. I am... Um, more calm and more stable. I'm closer to uh, my fans. I'm closer to my uh, people who are following my music. I'm closer to God. I feel I have more purpose now than I had before, even when it comes to the cooking part of it also. I used to cook for um, um, you know, fine dining Michelin star restaurants where it's all about prestige. Now I cook for people who are in need of it. Uh, they appreciate it in a completely different way. In every aspect of my life, I'm, um, it's more rewards. 
uh, and it's more uh, maybe not money money wise, but it's just more rewards in uh, as far as spiritual wise and making me satisfied with my own life. And uh, when you're happy, you you can make others much more happier too. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the uh, the interesting conversation and storytelling. Thanks for telling us about some things that you've you've talked very seldom about. And uh, I hope we get to do it again soon in person. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show, uh, Gion and uh, your team. You guys have a fantastic show, and uh, is it, it is what uh, the the title says, Rook. It's the first time I've actually been Rook, fully Rook, in an interview, and I'm happy I had the opportunity to do to do it with you. Thank you so much. Merci, brother. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Goodbye. Bye. Swedish-Iranian singer and songwriter and executive chef Cameron Cardio. His latest single is called Della Della. We reached Cameron Cardio in Los Angeles, California today. Microphone's back on for Groovy Shia and the fabulous Keon. How about that, Mr. Cardio, mm-hmm. Cameron Cardio? In- interesting life he's had. I, I, um, I like I said, I wasn't, I didn't know who he was before, but I so appreciate him opening up, up about his experience with the music industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that to me was just absolutely shocking. I mean, we're aware of the ugly sides of Hollywood, the music industry, but to actually hear someone who firsthand had such you know negative experiences with it it really makes you open your eyes to it a lot of people naively enter the industry and you know in hopes of riches and fame and not realizing that they're signing over kind of being a i mean victim of uh, it was interesting he quickly agreed when i said it would do you think it wasn't helpful that you're good looking like they they Mm -hmm. sort of saw somebody they they saw who they wanted him to be and put him in this little box, yeah. you know, like uh, mar- and he's like good. actually a guy who's got much a, a variety of talents that right. were not being explored or or exploited, you, you know, even when when they wanted him just to be a little pop singer guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it sounds like he really he found his own happy ending in a way. He kind of found balance in his own life and inner peace, which I think a lot of people strive for also, so i feel bad that i didn't know this but persian gospel music i did not that, know this right? was a thing it's did a, you is that know? like a no it's the first time i've heard See. that yeah. yeah i mean obviously there's persian christians but yeah. i didn't know there were you know full-on gospel songs yeah. and, a, and a whole community and you know that's really really interesting really enriching I, to know that yeah. i wonder if there must be like a persian like iranian church or something in los angeles at least where Oh I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. Must, you know, it'd be interesting well, to explore that. Yeah, what do you think of Cameron Cardio, Shia? Uh, actually, I have to confess that this interview changed my mind about uh, Cameron Cardio because uh, you used to like him and now you don't. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, he he was a big deal. He had like a hit songs uh, yeah. and, and uh, for a while i i was thinking that well, he was kind of those guys that just threw a hit and you know disappear like uh, you underestimated drown, yeah mm-hmm. drown into drug and maybe he lost his <laughs> momentum God. and yeah 
But now that he uh, told his story, I mean, yeah, I, I, it changed my because I like his music. He's very energetic and yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I like the Latin inflected yes, kind yes. of uh, music he makes or uh, kind of gravitates towards. It's a, um, a really nice guy too. Yes. You can tell he's uh, and. Uh, Good for him. You're right. I think he he does sound like he. I mean, he he says he's found himself. You yeah. know, so yeah. so it all it all happens for a reason and all that. I realized uh, something else. What's I've that? been a songwriter my whole life. Do you know the amount of hits I've come up with in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's right. I, good That's for right. him. Like he created his own music language. It, I, yeah. I, I. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it really doesn't matter sometimes what the lyric yeah. is, it's right? True. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks again, uh, Cameron Cardio. Uh, let's get to It's Monday, Letters of the Week. We're not doing no, Avian. No, we, have a nice, <laughs> we have a nice respite, a break from that. Don't do it. Nobody do it. <laughs> it's not the same. Not. <laughs> Moving on. Club, uh, last week on episode 165, we had an interview with Iranian-Canadian writer and actress Benafsha Tahirian. Uh, so she has that podcast she's doing, uh, Chayu with Benafsha, where she's adapting Nizami's Khosra and Shirin, which uh, Shaya has become a new fan of. Shaya's yeah. been binging. Like. Yes. Yes. We have Hani Aryan wrote to us saying, She's, and she's quoting here. We have to bring the best of our cultures with ourselves to share with other people. Love this. So true. Beautifully said, Banafshajun. Beautiful conversation. She has such a lovely voice. Thanks for the introduction. She does. Nice. She has a beautiful voice. Um, and then Amir Rezai wrote saying, you cannot be a good storyteller if you're not in peace with the narrative of your own life. Oh. It takes courage and self-esteem to say I didn't know much about poetry back then, or I was not a good engineer. People believe and relate to her stories because of her authenticity. Great job, Benafsha. Yeah, good point. that's actually a good point. You know, she she was very um, interesting because Benafsha knows how to promote her, herself too. But in the conversation like that, you realize she's self-effacing. She's, you know... Uh, it's true. She said I was yeah. a lousy engineer. You know, uh, didn't know a lot about poetry. That's, that's a, and it's a that's a lovely way to put it, Amir. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, we have Ricardo Rada wrote saying, "Seriously, hope you get to create mainstream program again." And that's to you, Gian. Mm. Uh, and then Payvand Aznavoy. Thank you, Ricardo. <laughs> Hope you enjoy Rook in the meantime. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just going to come onto your platform <laughs> and hope that you create something <laughs> more mainstream. No, I appreciate it. I know where you come from. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, as I was saying, <laughs> this very long last name, Payvan Aznavizadeh. I swear I'm Persian. Fevan Aznavazadeh wrote saying, I don't know whose voice I enjoy listening to more, Jian or Banafshin. Love this episode. Thank you, Rook. That's nice. That's very nice. Uh, and then Zohre Godz. Goods? Goods. 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 Farsi Shirin asked. <laughs> she wrote saying, Banaf Shajan, you have a voice of an angel. I enjoyed this series. Looking forward to see many more of your work. Mm. Very nice. 
And then Dr. Amir Ruzati wrote, Fantastic. And thanks for showcasing Banafsh's podcast. What a great theme and initiative. Truly, yeah. Yeah. Letter of the week. All right. Oh. Letter of the week. Uh, what was it? A few weeks ago on episode 161, we did uh, the second part of the mini series, The Plight of Persian Music. And it's about the dysfunctional nature of the Iranian music business. So we had well known Persian music journalist, critic, and author Amir Bahori join us. Um, and on that episode, uh, username Buzkuhi wrote saying, Fantastic. So glad to hear Bahari's take on the history and the state of Iranian music. The popularity of Gugush and D. Who do you know? Dariush. Dariush. Okay. No. Actually, I might. I don't think it's Dariush, but anyway, I'll go on. Uh, was also greatly helped by the Rangorang TV show, which was a lip-synced MTV Top of the Pops style in-studio music show that catapulted Gugush and D into becoming sex symbols. Do you still think it's Dariush? I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I guess he can be a sex. Okay. Sex symbols impacting the Iranian hairstyles, pop culture, and fashion with Gugush's haircuts creating more powerful social change activism than anything at the time. My concern, though, has always been where is new Iranian music? We seem to only indulge in the past. Either it's 6 eighths, the sound of Iranian denial, in brackets he has, the obvious ADHD obsession with sonati music, or covering all the ancient Western hits mm. from country, easy, classic, acid, thrash, metal, rock, with Persian lyrics. Or in my opinion, the least creative of all, the short-lived gimmick of setting 14th century Persian poetry to a safe standard rock ballad. Mm. Sorry, Shaya. <laughs> Iranian contemporary music has gotten the past down pat. All the styles of Western music have been perfectly copied. Even, ugh, the loop sample driven rap slash hip hop. Enough. So, where is the new Iranian music? Where is the future? Are we to remain trapped in a feedback loop of for forever catching up to the past? Great show once again. Great letter. I mean, it is a really good letter, right? But uh, <laughs> also a great question. Yeah. It's something that we talk a lot I about. Think, yeah, I think some of the answer actually is hidden in the um, uh, the first episode of Plight of Persian Music with Baobak, where we discussed about Spotify and you know, the Persian category. It's really, b there is a lot of, a lot of, a new age music that we can it simply we cannot hear it because uh, it lost in the stream of you know in mm -hmm. the yeah but it, but it is true that there it feels like everything is either classical or derivative of something mm -hmm. from the west yes. right so uh um, and not that most western music isn't derivative of itself mm -hmm. uh, or other things as well but um but it's a very, very good question. And um, <laughs> yeah, about D, that I think with Darius, he was really uh, a big deal. Uh, so, but was he a sex symbol, though? Uh, I, I'm sure you've heard the story that a girl went to his show and uh, put acid on his face. Oh no! Oh, you, you haven't you heard? Know this? Oh, it's a very famous uh, story about Darius. Yeah, after oh. one of his show, yeah, uh, before Revolution. Bec a girl was kind of Obsessed crazy about uh, him and the only thing that she could do probably oh. to show herself 
put acid. Yeah, the, the, old, the old courting technique. Of, <laughs> <laughs> I know what will win him. <laughs> Wait, but he was fine, right? Like I don't. No, his oh. his ear actually <gasps> oh. burns. Yeah, I didn't know burns. this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that either. Okay, yeah, I, I guess most people probably do know that, though. No, like we got to get Darius on here to talk about this. <laughs> so yeah. did he, does it did it affect his hearing? That I don't know. Oh. But I know that... The outside of the ear got Yeah, burned. even now, if you look at his picture, I, I think his left ear, you can see that oh. it's burnt. Huh. Yeah. So he was a... I don't know about the sex symbolism, but he, he was very big deal. Huh. Mm. Yeah. And he still is a There you go, Keon. All right. Uh, my <laughs> lesson of the day. <laughs> if you love someone, throw acid at them. <laughs> Works every time. Like a charm. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday with the Contemporary History of Iran. New episode. Uh, thank you, Groovy Shia. Thank you, the fabulous Keon. This is full time for Rook for today. If you want to learn anything about our show, see any of our previous episodes, over 160 of them, or our other series like the Contemporary History of Iran, Our Married Persian Girls, we have uh, our Rook Funnies, uh, our Rook Moments, all of them up there. Go to rookmedia.com, rookmedia.com. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Savvy Roham, talented Anahita, Ponta the artist, the fabulous Keon, Super Patty Saw, Hi Dodd, Captain Rezan Groovy Shia. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do so on whatever platform you're listening to or, or any other platform as well, or all of them. And become a patron at rookmedia.com. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Mizu and Bashi. 